Welcome to Land Life, a podcast for North Coast landholders by North Coast Local Land Services. This podcast is all about sharing knowledge and experience with landholders across our region to support farm productivity and healthy environments. North Coast Local Land Services acknowledges the traditional custodians of all the nations on which we live, work and play. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening to this podcast. Earlier this year, North Coast Local Land Services graduate Ashley Goodwill was visiting a waterhole in northern New South Wales with friends when she came across a familiar looking plant. Ashley had just stumbled across a new infestation of alligator weed, a plant that's been known to completely smother entire waterways. In today's episode, Ashley talks to New South Wales DPI weed guru Charlie Mifsud and biosecurity dog trainer Ryan Tate about what's being done to control alligator weed on the North Coast and what we can do if we find it. I'm Ashley Goodwill, a graduate with North Coast Local Land Services. Today I'm speaking with Charlie Mifsud from DPI and Ryan Tate, who's a biosecurity dog trainer based in Port Macquarie. Today we are talking all things alligator weed. So the first question I want to ask Charlie is, what is alligator weed? Is it a weed of national significance? What does that mean and where can you find it? Uh, alligator weed is uh, quite a serious uh, aquatic weed, but it can also grow a terrestrially as well. So it obviously needs moisture to get established. And then in some areas um, in Australia where there's those areas have dried out, it's put down like a, a tap root. So it's it stayed there. So it's, um, it, that's where its terrestrial form is. Most of the infestations are um, in aquatic situations. It's uh, originally from South America. It's quite a Quite a significant weed around the world in um, that is quite invasive, particularly in aquatic conditions. Uh, and it impacts um, agricultural, recreational um, areas, and um, and also um, environmental issues as well with wildlife. And that uh, it's quite um, been responsible for quite quite significant um, impacts on crop yields in China and other countries around the world. Um, in uh, in New South Wales, alligator weed first turned up here in the 1940s, and they think it came in in ships ballast from um, South America. Um, so the the bulk of the uh, alligator weed in in New South Wales is in around Sydney and the Hunter area, because that's where it's established and spread to those areas. So in Australia, it doesn't set um, seed; it only it flowers, but it doesn't actually set seed. So it only spreads by fragments. And since the 1940s, we've had infestations at uh, at uh, near Albury, near Griffith, uh, Mudgee. Tamworth Gunnedah on the north coast of, of New South Wales, up at um, around Lismore, Ballina, Byron Bay, uh, Casino, some in Coffs Harbour, some in Port Macquarie, some down near Taree, uh, and on the so- south coast of New South Wales at Sussex Inlet and around Berry and Wollongong. And all these infestations have spread by just plant fragments. So in the north coast, we have a biosecurity zone for alligator weed. What does that mean? Because we take alligator weeds so uh, seriously in New South Wales, uh, we have a, a biosecurity zone for alligator weed, which covers all of the state except for the greater Sydney LLS region where there's a, a significant amount of alligator weed and parts of the Hunter LLS 
region are also covered in that. So in the north coast of New South Wales, which is actually in in the zone, we um, means the alligator weeds should be eradicated. So we look at each infestation and we look at to eradicate it. And if it can't be eradicated, then it has to be controlled to a significant amount that it actually is um, suppressed and can't spread. And in the areas that are outside the biosecurity zone, the management is really looking at um, aiming to suppress the uh, the alligator weed there so it doesn't spread from there into into areas that are in the biosecurity zone. And so, Ryan, you've been doing work with biosecurity dogs to find alligator weed out in the wild. Can you tell us a little bit about what the process is to train a biosecurity dog and where you have been looking? Uh, With something like alligator weed, we try and start with a young dog in a very boring environment. So essentially, we have a training shed on my property, polished concrete floors, and nothing else is happening in that room. And essentially, in the middle of the room, we might have an invasive plant such as alligator weed in a bucket or in a container in some kind of concealed way. And as soon as the dog shows interest in that, they get rewarded with their favorite reward. So for most of my dogs, that's usually a tennis ball, maybe followed up with treats as well. And we then teach the dog in that environment to essentially discriminate between alligator weed and a lot of the lookalike species. And for me, someone that didn't, uh, my studies didn't originally start with plants. So I do struggle sometimes with lookalike species. We teach the dog to discriminate between anything that might look remotely like alligator weed and alligator weed itself. Once the dog is confidently doing it in that environment, we teach the dog to do what we say, perform an indication. So when the dog believes it is as close as possible to the alligator weed, they will generally lay down. And if they can't lay down because of the terrain, they'll hold their nose as close as they can to the plant without disturbing the plant until myself or the other handler releases the dog. So it tells them they've done a good job. So once you're at that stage, it's that's honestly the easy part. The difficult part is then taking that into the field and working with all the environmental distractions, all the different wildlife, uh, the water, and just generally working in a variety of different environments and having the dog perform just as well in the shed um, as it would in the field. So from that, it's yeah, we, we layer it in and we go to places where we know there is alligator weed or there has been alligator weed and we test the dog out generally. And then where the dog becomes useful and has been useful at the moment is working in riparian zones or rivers and trying to establish how far away have these fragments traveled. So we might start at the site and then go a couple of kilometers downstream and a couple of kilometers upstream working either side of the riverbanks and uh, trying to work out where the dog either indicates or even sometimes we might just say they showed interest and spent a long time in a particular area. We mark it off and the weeds officers may check it in a a few weeks or months. So yeah, we've been doing that with alligator weed for probably close to four years now and uh, worked at quite a few of the locations that Charlie mentioned before, down near Albury, certainly around Port Macquarie. Uh, We did a lot of training in Sydney and the Hunter in the more established sites where we may not necessarily be removing it, but we go down there to, to validate the dogs to make sure that they they can do it with the with the wild specimens. Um, doing something in the shed is obviously much easier than doing it amongst a whole host of different distractions. So, so uh, yeah, the North Coast sites have certainly been on our hit list um, recently, and we'll, we will be doing them again. Awesome. And is there a specific type of dog, or maybe a dog that might be better suited to finding aquatic weeds? The main dog that does the alligator weed work for me is a dog by the name of Connor. He's a working line English Springer Spaniel and they were 
bred to retrieve game in the water or find game around water. So as a consequence, he's got really big paws, webbed paws. Uh, he swims incredibly well and he moves through thick cover really well. So we've got other invasive plant detection dogs in our team as well. But for the alligator weed, he's he's built for it. So he's the dog that we really put all our effort into. We've tested other dogs in our group on it, which can do it, um, but he's certainly the winner. And the beauty of the spaniel is we are often working around farms and a dog with soft floppy ears and a pretty pathetic looking face uh, poses no threat to stock. So most stock look at them and go, you aren't a working dog, you're not a wild dog, and they behave very, very differently to spaniels to they would to something like a Kelpie or that looks anything reminiscent of a wild dog. So it's good for the farmers, good for the livestock, and it means we can usually work without disturbing too, too many people or animals. And what do you do before you take a dog out into the field so it knows what weed it's going to look for that day? We do get um, a little bit of sight awareness from the dogs. Definitely you can tell in the way that the dog searches when we get to locations that we've been to before or perhaps that um, are similar to, to previous locations. But we generally show the dog a very specific reward that we've paired with that target and we'll say what we're after. So we'll tell the dog that we're looking for alligator weed. We'll show the dog the, the, the particular ball or the particular toy that they're working for that day and uh, we'll work them if there's any doubt in our mind, we always carry with us um, small secure jars we call training aid delivery devices where we can securely contain a specimen of it and put that in the environment and give the dog a little reward on that at the beginning of the day just to say, remember that, mate, that's exactly what we're here for. And then, um, yeah, the dog's essentially tuned up, ready to go like we would any other piece of equipment. Sometimes we do like to calibrate them on the day and, uh, you know, the, the weather, the temperature, how the wind is moving, that all affects how we utilize the dog. So yeah, sometimes they do benefit from a little bit of a tune up at the beginning of the day. That's a great initiative. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't my idea. It's people like um, Charlie who come up with these target priority weeds and say that's something where when it's in very low-lying abundance, a dog is going to be useful. So the dogs aren't very useful in areas where there's lots of plants. It's usually when we're getting down to finding the last two or three uh, where, you know, they might be a bit more cryptic, that's when the dogs really come into their own. And do you have any success stories with alligator weed or any other weeds where the dogs have really made the difference between finding minimal fragments and, and not, and that maybe that weed getting out and causing more havoc down the line? Literally dozens of stories like that where um, perhaps we, we assume a, an area that's impacted by the weed is, say, couple of hectares and then the dogs can very, very quickly range outside that area and then just find, you know, one single fragment or, or maybe a really small plant that's broken off and just started to establish outside that known area. And in my mind, every time we do that, we're really helping solve the problem, preventing a new infestation from occurring. And with hawkweed, um, which is another invasive plant we work with the dogs, we generally go behind the weeds offices and, uh, you know, again, anything that's really cryptic or perhaps doesn't look like a typical sample of the plant, the dogs aren't using their eyes, they're only using their nose. And so the dogs can be really crucial at finding perhaps a sick plant or a different looking plant where our eyes aren't tuned into it. And yeah, every year we get, we get a few in that kind of scenario where uh, there's no way drones or people would have been able to pick it up. It's, it's purely by scent. So I might go back to you, Charlie, and ask a bit more about alligator weed and how it can threaten uh, recreational activities such as fishing. What are the dangers there with alligator weed in, in the waterways? 
you know, the alligator, we can actually smother a waterway, so it can actually go over the waterway. So it can actually, the real problem is getting access to a waterway. So, so people might be able to get access to their fishing spot, go in there with their boat and that because it's full of weed and that. Um, and, and fish will get caught up in the in the lines and the, when they're hooked in the alligator weed and that. We have one site in the state, um, Barrenbox Swamp, which is down near Griffith, and the alligator weed turned up there in the 1990s. Apparently that used to be a, a really um, good fishing spot and a lot of people used to go fishing there but also duck hunting and we had a large infestation of alligator weed um, turn up there and it was closed off. People can't go fishing or shooting there anymore simply because of the threat of spreading the alligator weed um, from that particular site because it's in a major irrigation area. So so there is potential for if there was an alligator weed infestation in a significant river or, or um, say, dam on the north coast somewhere, then that that might actually um, be quarantined so people can't actually fish there. So there is there is that sort of potential there. So what people should do is they see if they see something growing in a waterway that they that seems to be really growing quite prolifically because alligator weed grows quite quickly in the in the in the warmer weather and um, seems to be sort of evading the vegetation on the edge of the bank or going out over to over the water surface, they should ring their um, either either ring their local council weed officer or they should report it through the New South Wales DPI's weeds hotline. So I guess one question for you, Charlie, is, is how is alligator weed controlled? Is it possible to eradicate this weed in the north coast? Uh, yes, it is. Um, one of the problems with alligator weed, um, obviously the... The three main ways to control a, a weed are either um, mechanical, chemical, or biological control, or an, or an integrated approach, which covers all three. So we do have all three um, of those with alligator weed. So quite often, um, alligator weed, where it's particularly growing terrestrially and it gets its deep root system, it's actually been excavated out, so they literally dig down to get all the root system out, and which is which is can be quite expensive. Um, there is a biological control agent called the alligator weed flea beetle that works um, really well on the aquatic alligator weed infestations and doesn't completely kill the plants, but it defoliates them enough that it plant the the infestations are reduced. But it doesn't work on the terrestrial ones. And then there's several different chemicals that are available to treat alligator weed, but one of the problems with alligator weed and its successful control is that it's difficult to kill with chemicals. And this has been because it, it has a has an ability where it actually can shut off at the nodes. So the nodes are in between each segment of the stems and that. And it seems to be that uh, to, you might spray a plant and you won't get enough chemical into the root system to kill the root system. And sometimes you you might kill a lot of the plant, but you won't kill some of the tips. So the same thing, and not enough chemical goes into the tips. So, so you can actually end up with a situation where you kill the main part of the plant, but the roots stay alive and some of the tips stay alive and the tips start forming new plants and the roots grow back from the original plant. So it's this difficulty with actually getting enough chemical into the root system to kill the plant is is one of the problems with alligator weed. And if you've mechanically removed or chemically treated some of these infestations, do you come in then, Ryan, with the dogs to kind of see if anything's remaining? That's, yeah, often the approach, yeah. So we say with the dogs we try and do two styles of survey for a, a weed like alligator weed. One will be clearance checking, so after the area has been treated, 
do very intense, um, tight surveys with the dog over the main site. And this may be days, weeks, or months after the weeds officers have done their job um, because we do sometimes have a residual odour in the environment. So the dogs have certainly indicated to areas where plants may have died recently or been physically removed. Um, so, yeah, it's about finding the right time frame to do those clearance-style searches and then we'll do what we call discovery searches where we, we start from that clearance zone and we work in likely directions where the plant may have spread. And that we can do much faster because if it's discovery searching, we can theoretically assume that it's probably going to be slightly more established, which means it gives off a bigger signature of odour for the dog so we can move much quick, more quickly because we're hoping that if, if it is out there, it's going to be a patch. It's not going to be just a single stem or something sitting under the ground that we need the dogs to alert to. And can the dogs smell the roots that, themselves or do they need some? A- any part of the plant at all. Um, we haven't really tested out the depth, um, but you know, anecdotally, depending on how compact the soil is, we're thinking up to about 300 mil uh, under the soil is where we've had success with thus far with alligator weed. And you know, with more experience in more locations and more dogs in generations to come, you think about how far explosive narcotic dogs have come in the last 50 years. That's what I want to see in the next, you know, 20, 30 years with the invasive plant dogs is that we get them really fine-tuned and we're getting them finding seeds and, you know, fragments, you know, a mill or two long. So in that space, is it really busy working with biosecurity dogs? What's it like? Yeah, it's, it's exploded in the last few years. So for me, this style of work started as what I thought was going to be a bit of a summer fling doing some hawkweed detection and uh, it's never stopped. So it's it's about though really working with the experts like Charlie and trying to establish what kind of environments and locations are going to be suitable for the dog because sometimes people can get carried away and think the dogs are the solution to the whole problem and they're not. They're just one component, an important component of the whole bigger picture and we've just gotten better as the years have gone on about going, okay, this site would really suit the use of a dog and this site isn't quite ready for it yet, so maybe come back in a year or two. So, yeah, it's getting busy but not just because the dog's getting better but I think we're all getting better at working together and identifying the right kind of weeds and the right kind of environments where we can deploy the dogs and have successful outcomes. Over the last 20 years, alligator weed has been found in locations from Bangalore in the north to Port Macquarie in the southern part of the region. The best thing to do if you think you've found alligator weed is to contact your local control authority or report it to the New South Wales DPI Weed Hotline on 1800 680 244. You can also download the New South Wales DPI WeedWise app for help with weed ID and control methods. All of this info will be in today's episode notes. This podcast is jointly funded through North Coast Local Land Services and the Australian Government's National Land Care Program. 